Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. As we're going through the series Basic Training and... We're in that second phase of our training, looking at the issue of righteousness and living the life that God has given us, living in His righteousness. And so we've been looking at some different things. We looked at the fact that we can't live it on our own, that He's given us a helper. Last week we saw the issue where He's calling us to be different, to be holy. And so today and next week, we're going to look at two key things that He has given us to help us to live the life that he wants us to live. One is prayer, and the other is the Word of God. Now, as soon as I say that, you're like, oh, well, you know, another message on prayer, and another message on the Bible, you know, I think we got it down pat, George. I think we know how to pray, and I think we know about the Bible, and yeah, we need to read it. Do we really need to go over this? Yeah, we do. The reality is is that even though we know, it's a head knowledge. It's not a heart knowledge. Because the reality is is that when it comes to like prayer and the Word of God, we actually operate under a lot of misconceptions and assumptions that aren't true and that really are a detriment to our life. And so if we're going to learn and understand the life that Jesus has for us, we really need to understand these two key components because the one, prayer is our talking to God and the Word of God is His talking to us. And and the reality is, is if we were to examine our lives, and that includes me, if we would look at the total time that we spend in either one of those activities, well, we'd all be pretty lacking here, wouldn't we? We don't pray like we should. And we sure don't read the Word like we should. And so then we wonder why we feel disconnected from God. In fact, I'll use this illustration to help you to understand. You know, i got a great wife. And one of the key things in our life is, even though we might be mad at each other, and there are times when Lori gets mad at me, and there are times when I get ticked off at her, but even in spite of our frustration with each other, there is a key component in our marriage that has never changed, and that is we talk to each other every night before we go to bed. Now, we might talk with a tood, but we talk. Do do you understand what I'm saying? We talk. We try to air things out. And I'm going to be honest with you. If I did not have that time of talking to her, and I think I'm listening, but listening to her I don't know where we would be. The relationship would not be what it should be. In fact, there are times like, you know, we have relatives come, and some from my family, because they live so far, well, they'll stay for a whole week. And at the end of the week, Lori and I, even though we've had family here, and even though we've interacted during the week, we will feel so disconnected from each other because we haven't had that time to talk and hear each other out. My friends, it's the same thing with God. If you don't take the time to talk to Him... If you don't take the time to listen to Him, 
Is it any wonder you feel disconnected from Him? Is it any wonder when you face that crisis that you wonder, is He even there? Because if you had taken the time before the crisis, if you had taken the time just as a part of your everyday life to interact with God, you wouldn't need to worry about whether or not He's there. You know He's there. And you know He's in control. So we're going to talk about prayer today. Now let me just stop for a moment because... Just the term prayer has its own connotations with it. Because all religions pray. Even atheists pray. And the reality is, is prayer, sometimes it, the connotation is, is that it's some sort of religious act. Well, I want to kill that one here today. What prayer is, is simply this, and you may want to write this down. This is a simple definition of prayer. It's simply talking to God. Prayer is simply talking to God. That's it. Simply talking to Him. So let's look at what we're going to look at here today. I think if we're going to understand prayer, let's go to the person who understands it better than anyone, Jesus. And Jesus, in Matthew 6, gives us some instructions about prayer that I think we need to Think about today, we're going to look, first of all, at what the proper motivation is for prayer. And then we're going to talk about what a proper focus is in prayer. Because a lot of us pray, but maybe our motivation is wrong. And a lot of us pray, but our focus is completely wrong as well. So, let's look at the passage. We're going to look at verses 5 through 15 this morning. And we're going to ask God to help us to understand. So look with me. Listen to what Jesus said. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a great passage to help us understand the whole issue about talking to God, the whole issue of prayer. So let's look at a couple things here. First of all, the proper motivation. Look with me at verse 5. The very first thing Jesus is going to say to them about prayer, about the reasons why you should pray, about how you should pray, how you shouldn't pray, he's going to give them a negative example and he's going to say to them, don't do this. Look at what he says in verse 5. He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me explain to you. Jesus is really the first one who used this term. This term hypocrite comes from the 
language, in its day, when it was being used, it didn't refer to someone like we know who acts spiritual but isn't spiritual. It actually was a term that was used in Greek theater. How many of you remember from, from school when you studied in school and you studied a little bit of drama? Well, one of the things about Greek drama, if you remember, was is that the actors were primarily men, and when they acted, they didn't wear makeup, they had a mask. You know, if they were an evil figure, they had an ugly mask. If they were sad, they had a sad mask. If they were happy, they had... And they were grossly exaggerated. In fact, if you look at the symbol of theater today, it's, it's really two masks, isn't it? And so what a hypocrite was, it was somebody who wore a mask. Now, Jesus takes that term and uses it with reference to religious people it says, don't be like them, people who are wearing a mask, people who are acting one way, but the reality is they're not that way. And here's what the hypocrites were doing. Look with me at verse 5. Look at what they were doing. For they loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Here's what he's saying. Prayer must not be self-serving. Prayer must not be self-serving. Look, when they prayed, they prayed for a reason. Folks, what was the reason? So people could look at them. Now, here's the thing. You know, I interact with a lot of you, and I already know a lot of you, you might pray, but you sure don't like to pray in front of people. Am I right? That's a typical normal response. Can I go ahead and tell you right now? You're normal. What's not normal is somebody who's ready to jump up. I'll pray! Because the reality is, the prayer might be self-serving. The prayer might simply be to have other people look at them and say, Wow, he is sure, or she's a sure spiritual person. They must be really close to God. This is what they're doing. He said that these folks, when they pray, they want people to say, Wow, can't that guy pray? Wow, God sure must be moving now that she uttered the words. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you pray, when you pray, your prayers can't be self-serving. Your motivation can't be so that others look to you. And it's interesting, when Jesus speaks there, look at verse 5. The last thing he says, I tell you, what does he say to you? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, this phrase he uses three times in this passage. He used it right before in the verses beforehand, talking about giving to the poor, that they give to the poor so that others see that they're giving to the poor. And the next passage, right after this passage, deals with fasting. They let everybody know they're fasting. Jesus says the same thing. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's he saying? The reward they have with God they've already received by what? Everybody ooing and aahing. Ooh, they must be spiritual. They already got their reward. See, when you're self-focused and self-serving in your prayers, you're getting your reward, man. You're getting your reward thinking, everybody thinking about how great you are. One commentator I read said this. The implication of what Jesus is saying is, is that to these folks, praying out loud in front of people is more, more important than having their own personal prayer time. In fact, the commentator said this, and I thought this was a good point. It was actually a very convicting point. 
He said probably it is that the only prayer in their life takes place outside. It doesn't take place when they're alone. Because prayer to them is a way for people to look at them and to say they're doing good. See, if you and I are going to pray, listen to me. If you and I are going to be people who pray, it can't be for us. It can't be for us. I mean, let me go back to my illustration I used earlier about Lori and I talking. If our talking time was simply for her just to be impressed with me, how far do you think we would get? We wouldn't get very far at all, would we? Here's the other thing Jesus says. Look with me in verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the do- your door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place, that your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Here's what I want you to see. Prayer must be seen as an intimate exchange. Prayer must be seen as an intimate exchange. So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, look guys, don't be like those, don't be like those, uh, those hypocrites. Don't be like those religious people who want everybody to look at them and say, ooh, they're real spiritual. Here's what he's saying. Don't be like them. When you pray, here's what you do. You don't let anybody else know you're praying. You go into the inner room of your house. Now, the King James says closet, I believe. Is that correct for my folks who have King James here? That really is a cultural term because you've got to remember something. It's not talking about the kind of closet we have here in our homes today. Because I know people, they'll, they'll crawl into their closet with all their shoes and try to have a prayer time. That's not what he's talking about. That's an English term. It refers to an inner room, usually a room of consultation by a king. Now, I don't know about you and I, but I don't have a consultation room in my house. And in Jesus' day, they didn't have a consultation. What they had was, is they had a room, probably a storage room, where they could keep food supplies and valuables, and it was probably the only room in the house that could be locked. And so he's saying to them, when you pray, you go into the inner room. You lock the door. Nobody else knows you're in there. And when you pray, you're praying to God, He's going to meet with you. See, can I t- be honest with you? When we talk about praying, talking with God, the key word is with, not at. You understand what I'm saying? We are talking with God, not at God. A lot of us talk at God. You ever talk at somebody? I remember being talked at by my parents. Do you remember? Do you know what? You understand what I'm saying? When you talk at someone, you're not wanting an interchange with them. You're telling them what to do. And a lot of us, when we talk about prayer with God, we're not wanting to interchange with God. We're not wanting to talk with Him. We want to talk at Him and tell Him, God, you need to do this. In fact, God, I figured it out. You've got to do these ten things. You've got to do this one first. If that doesn't work out, you've got to go over here to side C and follow this course. But if it does work, you kind of work your... And you've got, a, you've got kind of a tree of events that need to take place. You know what I'm saying? Kind of a flow chart of every possibility that you've worked out in your mind because you want this result down here. And so you're talking at God. Now think about how silly that is. Who knows better than us how things need to work out? God. And we're telling him what to do? That's called talking at him. But Jesus is saying, when you pray, you go into your secret room, you pray in secret, and notice what it says here. Look at the last part of verse 6, because this is awesome. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God's going to meet you. 
He's going to meet with you. You're not, do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to remove the concept in our this prayer thing of, I'm praying and I hope. I mean, in fact, think about this. How many of you, you I just feel like my prayers don't get past the ceiling. How many times have we uttered something silly like that? Like, he's up there, and I'm hoping my prayers reach him. The implication of this text is, is I go in my secret room, and he meets with me. He meets with me. So I don't need to really worry about whether they go past the ceiling or not. Because he meets with me. See, it's intimate. It's an intimate exchange. See, do you see the difference between being self-serving? Where you're doing it for, look at me. To where you're meeting with him secretly and you're talking to God. One-on-one. Isn't that an awesome thought? He goes on here. Listen, another, another aspect of proper motivation. Look with me at verse 7. He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Here's what he's saying. Here's, here's, Jesus is now going to use, he's telling these Jewish listeners, he's going to have them understand how the Gentiles pray, the pagans pray. Because what the pagans would do is, okay, because they're, they're in the process of wanting to appease a God. I've I got to manipulate this God so he does what I want them to do. So they go to the temple, and, and then they, they do, it's like, oh, oh, and, and then they're using all kinds of words. Please, 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 please. Please, 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 please. Oh, I didn't get. To, I'll go sacrifice a goat. Please. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Now, I'm sure they used other words than that, but the point is, is that they're trying to gain the attention of their God, and they're doing silly things, trying to manipulate. And well, let me just stop for a moment. Don't we do that? God. I was nice today. I could have been irritated at Walmart with that clerk, but I held my tongue. My eyes were angry, but my tongue was held. Bless me, God. Don't we do that? Or am I the only one who does that? Don't we do that? The vain repetition thing? Lord. Lord. You great God, Lord. I mean, and, we, and we'll, 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 we'll say the same stuff over and 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 over again, hoping, hoping, please God, listen to me. Vain repetitions. To be honest with you, manipulation. In fact, have you ever caught yourself doing this? Before you go to prayer time, you're sitting there thinking about what you're going to say in prayer time so that he gets your attention. You get his attention. You ever done that? Well, I'm getting ready to go to prayer. I think I'm going to address him this way. And surely he hear me. And like, not aware of that. I mean, do you, do you mean, think about that. Lori and I in the house. I'm in the living room. Well, when Lori comes, I'm going to talk this way. And if she hears me doing that, do you think I'm going to get far with Lori? No. Because she's going to know you've been practicing. Well, you didn't practice for this one. No. This is what we do with God, isn't it? He's saying prayer is not manipulation. Prayer is not. Prayer is not manipulation. It's not you trying to manipulate God. I did all these right things. I said all the right words. And here's the big word. In Jesus' name. 
Isn't that what we say? We get into this thinking that if we, as long as we say the right stuff, he's going to hear us. It's what, I think, what, my friends, what is it? Manipulation. So here's what Jesus says. Rather than be like them where you're trying to manipulate, look with me at verse 8. Look at what he says here. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Here's what I want you to see. God is always aware of your needs. So look, when I go to prayer, I don't go to Him and say to Him, Jesus, are you aware? Like I'm surprising Him with some kind of tragic news that's going on, of stuff that's happening in my life. He's already aware. So my prayers take the form of, Lord, you know what's happening. You know what my needs are. I need your help. See, some people will take this passage, they'll take verse 8 and say, well, well, no sense praying, he already knows. No, God wants to know. He wants to hear you. He wants to hear what your thoughts are about it. But what the passage is simply trying to tell you, you don't need to manipulate him. He already knows. So talk to him about it. Talk to him about it and allow God to interact with you. Why do you think, okay, I quoted it when I prayed earlier, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why do you think Paul says that? Why do you think Paul says, don't worry, pray, and when you pray, God gives you peace? Because of this verse, verse 8. Because the reality is when you pray and you go to Him with what's bothering you, when you pray and you talk to Him, and when you pray and you pour out your heart to Him that you need Him, the peace comes from knowing what? He's in control and He understands. And He is already at work whether you realize it or not. In fact, He may not even tell you what He's going to do, but you know what? He's in control. See, that's the motivation. I'm not here to manipulate you, God. I'm here just to talk with you about it. Because I know it's going to be okay because you're aware. So then, he goes on then. He says, okay, if you're going to pray, this is how you pray. He's going to show us the proper focus in prayer. We all know what this prayer is called. It's called the Lord's Prayer. A lot of churches will, this will be a part of their service. They will pray the Lord's Prayer. And there's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer because I know sometimes in our circles, well, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer. Well, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. There's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer. What's wrong, though, is if the Lord's Prayer becomes a vain repetition, a a type of manipulation. But really what he's doing in verse 9 through 15 is is he's going to tell us, okay, if you're going to pray, this is how you pray. This is what your focus needs to be when you pray. And so really we can divide it down into several things that I think will help us to understand how to pray when you pray. Because the reality is, let's be honest, we know how to pray. The first thing I want you to see is, Jesus says this, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then look at verse 13. But yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here's what I want you to see. We must keep God in proper perspective. He said, no, wait a minute, hold on now. Didn't you just say to me that prayer isn't self-serving? It's not for me to look good. Prayer is, prayer is a personal interaction. Prayer is an intimate relationship with God. And now you're telling me I've got to keep it in proper perspective? Yes. Yes, it is an intimate interaction with God, but the point I want you to see is, is he ain't your buddy. 
is not your buddy. You've got to keep it in perspective who he is. Who is he? God. And notice what Jesus said. This is how you bless him. Our Father in heaven. You're recognizing who he is. Hallowed be your name. Another way of saying it, that's an old word. It's still a lot in our modern translation. Holy is your name. He's separate from us. And another way that Jesus says you keep it in perspective, look at what it says there. Your kingdom come. What does that mean? He's coming back to judge this earth. You come back, Jesus. You come back, God. You establish your kingdom. Your will be done. You're the priority, God, not me. So he's keeping it in perspective. So one of the things we've got to do when we go to prayer is Jesus saying, when you pray, you pray, and here's the proper focus, you keep in perspective God. Period. He's not your buddy. He's not your friend. He's God of gods, King of kings, creator, who allows us to have an intimate relationship with him. So we must keep God in proper perspective. Here's, he goes on to verse 11, and here's what he says. So you keep him in proper perspective. The next part of Jesus' prayer is this. Give us this day our daily bread. So what is this? We must seek God's provision for our needs. It's okay to go to him and say, God, the bill collectors are at the door. God, I need gas in the tank. God, I need a job. He's saying here, go to him and ask him for your daily needs. See, we, we must seek God's provision for our needs. Not our wants, our needs. Now, sometimes he'll give you your wants. But when I pray, I go to him and I say, Lord, here's our needs. Let's, let's go on here. The next thing he says, and this is important, look with me at verse 12, because he then has to further explain it down in verse 14 to 15. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then he goes on after the prayer in verses 14 and 15 and says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, Jesus says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here's what he's saying. We must forgive this has to be a component of prayer. See, if we're going to be, have a proper focus in our prayer, we, we just can't keep God in perspective. And listen, when you put God in perspective first, that helps you in the other areas. It helps you with what you ask Him for as far as your needs. It also helps you when you talk to Him about forgiving people who've done you wrong. And then Jesus, in verse 14 and 15, after the prayer says, look, I want you to understand this forgiveness thing, because He says this, if you forgive them, it reflects in your life that you've been forgiven. But if you can't forgive them, you probably haven't been forgiven. Forgiveness is something we all have to deal with, isn't it? It's got to be a part of our prayer. Let's go on, because we've got to finish this up. Here's what else he says. We must seek God's protection. Look with me. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's what he's saying. When we go to God and we pray... Folks, here's what we've got to pray about. We've got to pray that God protects us and protects us in two key areas. Number one, from temptation. That God would protect us from being tempted to do wrong. But not just that, not just from temptation. Here's the other one. A recognition that you and I have a very real enemy. Who's that, folks? Satan. God, protect me from the evil one. He's out to destroy me. He's out to destroy my family. Protect us. See, that's got to be a component of your prayer. 
So when I have a proper focus, I'm keeping God in perspective, I'm letting Him know what my needs are, I'm asking Him to help me to forgive, I'm asking for protection. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.